Today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at SeatGeek, the best and easiest to use ticket platform out there. They take the confusion out of buying tickets using a 0 to 10 scoring system and a green is good, red is bad color rating system so you and your loved ones get the best deal possible. So whether it's going to see our beloved Red Legs at Great American Ballpark, the Bengals over at Paycor, FC Cincinnati, one of the area college teams, or pretty much anything in between, use promo code RIVERFRONT at checkout and receive $20 off your first order. Click the link in the show notes to download the app and get started. That's Riverfront, one word, for 20 bucks off. Tim Daniel, coming to you from an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark this week. His name is Ben Brown. <laughs> I know it's it's a little it's a little darker here. We're we're trying a little a new setup here, uh, messing with the lighting and stuff like that. So here we are. We're we're getting story times with Uncle Ben here in, uh, <laughs> in the by the campfire. I like it. I like it. What a great show that was, by the way. Yes, it was. Yeah. And welcome to this week's edition of Late Night Reds. As always, part of the Riverfront Media Network and brought to you by our wonderful friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy who make all of this possible. So we're very excited, obviously. We're counting down the days to opening day. We are breaking down some spring training. And we're going to do a little divisional preview this week with um, good friend Jack Mueller from Riverfront U. Jack is our beat writer for us uh, for the Miami, Ohio University. Um, a school that Ben's son recently went on a college visit to check out. So yes, maybe Jack will be covering Isaac. Who knows? Um, cool. And then um, also we're going to be talking about the stupid Cubs with Jack and just um, why they're <laughs> why they why they're not that cool. Um, but we're gonna get to that. A little housekeeping I want to get to before uh, we get started and talk about some spring trading uh, action uh, next week. I will not be here. I am uh, I'm on dad duty. Uh, so, Ben, I hadn't had a chance to tell you this. I apologize that I'm just breaking oh, the good. show. But uh, you and Nate Dotson are going to be holding it down next hey. week. So, there you might have is. to show him how we do things here at Late Night Reds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but he has great 
great bald head, you know? <laughs> it's like the polar opposite of you as far as hair. I know. So yeah, I know. It's going to be like a really fun, fine line to see how you guys put a show together. But oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. Nate will do great. I just like to throw this up because yeah. I know he actually listens to the episodes, unlike Joe yeah. Farsing. <laughs> Come on, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Um, also, just because, you know, I'm wearing my Darkwing Duck shirt today because, you know, let's get dangerous. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited for this week's show. I'm excited to see what you and Nate do next week. Um, want to make sure, as we know, I do this show every Sunday and I get off in time to go watch Kirby Enthusiasm with my wife. So had to pay some tribute to the late, great Richard Lewis, who unfortunately oh, passed man, this week. Yeah. One yeah. of my all time favorites. Uh, so really bummed. I feel like I got to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights again because he's like, <laughs> just in tribute, just a tribute view. Yeah, um, man. But one of my all-time favorite guys ever to do comedy. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and get you a little spring training. We'll just go through these pretty quickly. Uh, Monday was a little split squad. We saw old friend Luis Castillo in the Seattle game. Uh, to quote the legend Bob Uecker playing the legend Harry Doyle, one gosh darn hit. We only got one hit. You can't say gosh darn on the radio. But <laughs> um, And then the Reds go to the Milwaukee Brewers complex and uh, put a whooping on them like they will throughout the season, eight to three. Um, so highlights from these games. So Andrew Abbott goes two innings with a K. Lucas Sims gets his first inning of action with a strikeout. Brent Suter makes his Reds debut for spring training. Gets a strikeout on Ellie, which we're going to do a big conversation about Ellie a little bit. And he'll hear it mm-hmm. a little bit. Goes to solid two for three. Uh, so that was the Monday action. Uh, Tuesday with the Cubbies, who we're going to be talking about later. Uh, got a 6-6 tie. Literally, the box score was basically the same thing for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie Benson keeps this thing going. Two extra base hits. Uh, Frankie Montas goes two innings. Connor Phillips goes two innings. So that was solid. Uh, they had Wednesday off Thursday. They showed the Dodgers who the real big dogs are in the National League. No doubt. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> uh, Doug. Side, hold on. Side note on that. Um there was a clip on Twitter where the Dodgers went uh, Mookie Betts, Shohei Atani, and w- and freaking Freddie Freeman all yeah. back to back to back. I'm like, yeah. Are you? And it's just it's like I know I know we're not talking about that right now, but I was like, that's just absurd, dude. Where is Teoscar Hernandez going to hit their lineup? Is he going to be like seventh? Right. Yeah, he'll be like the seventh or eighth hitter. Like it's insane. <laughs> yeah, um... it's insane. It's going to be awesome. They spent all that money just to lose to the Reds at GABP. Great line. Yeah, just like 95 all over again, big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Graham Ashcraft goes two innings, a walk, two strikeouts. Alexis Diaz, first inning of, of spring trading, strikes out the side. Mm-hmm. TJ Anson goes an inning. Buck Farmer looking pretty good. I'm eating all my Buck Farmer crow so far, Ben. Yeah, he's looked, he's looked pretty good. Yeah, and then Ellie, once again, one for two, a walk. Of the of the right handed side of the bat, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Joey Gaditza comes in, says, "Cheers, gents. It's real snowy in Regina, but doesn't damper spring training vibes, baby." It's been pretty <laughs> wonderful in our area today. I mean, it's all yeah, it was nice. Yeah, really liked it. But always appreciate Joey Gaditza hanging out with us. Um, and then the losing streak started, so they go to, they play Arizona on Friday. Um, 
we chose not to display the pitching numbers because uh, when the Reds are winning, it's they're the best team in the world. But when they're losing, it's just spring training. No one cares. Right. No, yeah. It's not a big. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Nobody, nobody looks at that stuff. Right. I mean, it doesn't count. So you know, like, why should we <laughs> be nervous about it? Um, Jake Fraley goes two for three with a double. Uh, Edwin Arroyo continues being great in spring yeah, training. He is. Yeah, he's yeah. been really, really fun to watch. Uh, Luke Maley has been the better of the catchers so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like we said, pitching, they didn't pitch that game, actually. They just saw uh, everyone hit off a tee. Yeah. Um, that's what the stats said. No, no, no. Remember, it was, it was BP. Remember? Like, oh, we were, yeah. They, they yeah. had the pitching coaches out there were throwing, throwing live BP. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, uh, they played the Savannah Bananas, actually. It wasn't even the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah. um, Saturday. They play the Rockies. Ellie De La Cruz uh, murdered a baseball, which we're going to get to that again. <laughs> mm. uh, Hunter Green was a little inconsistent. Uh, three innings, two earned runs, two hits, two walks, two strikeouts. So, again, learning new pitches like we talked about last week. This, you're going to have mm. these games, especially in spring training. And Nick Martinez goes three innings. Yeah. An unearned run, two hits, five strikeouts. And then today they lose to Kansas City. But TJ Friedel, three for three with two doubles. Jose Barrero hits a homer. Uh, not a great day for Frankie Montas going two and two thirds. Um, and then Rhett Louder goes two innings. So uh, like we said, this doesn't matter. But when they win, it, we're winning, it's great. But uh, when they're losing, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Yep. Yeah. Don't panic. Yeah. Uh, what jumped out to you for spring training activity and, you know, the one game we got to watch on TV this week? Yeah. Um, overall, I, I mean, uh, it's spring training. It's it's a good week. You're seeing a lot of good things. Good. I think I talked about this last week, but the one thing I'm really enjoying is is that there are guys having really good quality of bats that we've been kind of waiting for. Mm-hmm. That's the good news. So, like your Jose Barreras, um, you know, there's different guys that are having different at bats and doing different things and hitting the ball well. It's great to see Friedel hit the ball well. It's great to see all these guys that we're expecting to do good things hit the ball well. I am a little concerned, uh, just a little, because it's spring training. Uh, Tyler Stevenson has not hit the ball particularly well. Not yet. Um, and, and and I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying I'm panicking or anything like that, but he's had a little bit of struggle. But other than that, I think that everybody else is, you know, has done their done what they're supposed to do, and they're getting. Uh, Will Benson has looked freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah. Ellie's hitting the ball well. So I, I think that I think we're going to be all right. I, it's it's cool to see um, all those guys and the depth that we have in our lineup because when you, when you call on different guys to hit, and then of course in spring training, they try to get as many at bats as possible for a lot of those guys. So but that's good to see. A lot of those guys are getting those at bats and they're and they're getting quality at bats. So um, you know it, it's good. I'm not worried about the pitching stuff. Um, guys are working on stuff. Frankie Montas didn't have a great outing. His last time, but I mean, it's spring training. I think those guys uh, are working on stuff, trying to work through things, and, and it'll all be worked out. Not saying that he'll be, you know, he'll win thirty games, but he won't. You know, he won't be as inconsistent as we saw the other day. You're right. He's going to win thirty-five. There we go. <laughs> I mean, let's just that, call it one those guys. That but, would be uh, legit. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think at this point, what I'm really happy about, so Friedel hadn't had a hit until today. Um, mm-hmm. So that was nice to see him kind of get going. Um, Noelvi Marte made his spring debut yesterday, mm-hmm. but one for two. 
So that was nice. I'm really yeah. excited about him this year. Obviously we've talked about uh, Jimmy Candelario. I you know, like you said, it's a lot of just like finding your swing right now. So I'm not overtly mm-hmm. concerned. I think that's going to come as, uh, as things get going, but you know, we are, uh, we're just kind of breaking through spring training. Right. And yeah. we're like, in the home stretch, we have a couple weeks left of this. Um, still Cactus League champs 2024, but um, <laughs> you know, we let the Dodgers know we're the big dogs, like I mentioned earlier. So we're just gonna leave it at that. All right. Like nothing else happened after the Dodgers game this week. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um <laughs> so Ellen Arroyo, who we know is not gonna break camp on the Major League roster, mm-hmm. understandably. But um, getting getting to the situation where it's like, am I going to have to go down to Louisville just to hang out and see Edwin because he's looking pretty good? Like, are we going to have to are we going to make a voyage to to the Bat Stadium? Yeah, Louisville Soccer I, 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 Stadium. Heck yeah, we'll we'll spend some time in Louisville. Um, dude, yeah, he's he's hit the ball really well this spring. Um, and I think we had talked about this a couple weeks ago about. When was he going to turn the corner? You know what I mean? It was kind of him and Jose Barrera and those guys we were kind of talking about are those guys that are going to – can we find spots for them? Can we find a batch for them? Right. He's really hit the ball well. Like, he's he's hit the ball really well this spring. So, um, I know he's not going to break camp with, with us. and, and uh, But, man, he's he has looked tremendous at the plate uh, in the spring. Uh, and he he is going to be fun to watch in Louisville. I, I think that's he's definitely worth uh, the seventy mile drive to go watch them play. Yeah, I also just love Louisville. So if it's like an excuse to go down there for a couple hours, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, uh, going to see the bats doesn't hurt. Obviously, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think you what you're kind of seeing him do as far as like affecting all aspects of the game so far has been really fun. Yeah. I mean, he's still he's got a stolen base. Got, I think he has two stolen bases now. I could be wrong there. Uh, he's getting hits. He's making playing awesome defense um, for a guy who, you know, was kind of like a, a, I wouldn't say a throw in on a trade by any means. He yeah. was kind of the, you know, for the Luis Castillo deal, um, which, you know, I saw Luis Castillo pitch against the Reds on Monday and that was emotional. Um, George was upset, but you know, still pretty excited about Arroyo. And that was, you know, and so everything he's been doing has been really, really fun. Um, There's been some not so fun news, though, with Nick Lodolo. Yeah. Uh, I guess there was a setback uh, a little bit. So um, that's not ideal. And Mm -hmm. that really sucks. So that could really kind of open the door for some of these guys in spring training. Um, I know Brandon Williams did not have his best outing the other day. And he's a guy that's kind of back and forth. But. I uh, never want to hear the news that the guy you kind of planning on being your second best pitcher uh, or potentially an ace dot not being ready for to go. It's not fun. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and Tim, you've seen enough baseball and know enough baseball. Uh, when guys start having setbacks this far into their rehab, um, it used to, it usually tends to linger a little bit longer than expected. Um, so I, that makes me a little bit concerned because, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, he's a guy that we were counting on in our rotation to fill a big void in our rotation um, and be that kind of, you know, 1A, 1B. 
Um, and, and to hear that he's having a setback and, and that things aren't, you know, progressing as they should uh, makes me a little makes me a little nervous. I mean, because he's he was pretty far along in his rehab stint. I mean, he was working his way to, yeah. you know, BP and all that stuff. And, and to hear that, it's 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 a little alarming. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, it's certainly kind of disconcerting. I mean, discerning for sure. But, you know, at that same point. I do feel, thankfully, you know, the depth thing that we've been talking about, how nice mm-hmm. that is, uh, kind of shows its head here. So that's a yeah. plus. Um, bullpen so far. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I have to. Yeah. I think Suter, I know Suter didn't have his best scouting, I think, today. Um, you know, everyone pitches like randomly in spring training games. I never know. Mm-hmm. There's like 17 guys who pitch a game. So, camera pulls <laughs> today or yesterday, but I, I know that's. Yeah. And. Was saw you know didn't have but was solid the other day. Uh, Alexis Diaz obviously could do his thing. Lucas Sims has had his ups and his up and downs so far in his two outings, but you're starting to see this kind of come together. Uh, Buck Farmer, like we said, has pitched. You know his Actually, stuffs looked yeah. really good. Yeah, he's looked really good. I think uh, he he uh, also like we mentioned about last week with Stu Fairchild. Uh, he read the he read the tweets. Yeah, he kept he's keeping receipts for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's I think a lot of them are my tweets. tweets so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's definitely keeping receipts. <laughs> Maybe he'll come on as a guest. We, I mean, listen, yeah. I can, know. I could do a quick check through and delete anything I said about him. You know, <laughs> sure. Why not? You know, it means uh, he's going to come hang on the show. So yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. I think that, that that's kind of been promising. Um, if you're kind of looking at these spring training games too, uh, minus you know the Montas and the Green game yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these runs are giving up are at the end of the game when it's guys that you are like, um, I guess they'll be on the double, they'll be in Chattanooga, yeah, um, are kind of the guys who are coming in the games and giving up the runs. So that's promising. Mm-hmm. Um, is Luke Maley just like a hitter now? Is this a thing? Um, I, I I think there's a thing to be said with being comfortable and familiar with you being where you're at. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So signing that contract in the offseason, knowing that you're going to be playing for your hometown team, knowing that you have a slot, knowing you're going to, you know, get to start every fourth or fifth day, know you're going to be the guy. Like there's some – there's some th- – there wasn't a whole lot of shuffling in his offseason. You know, he – you know – with him, I mean, he's played for several different teams, so yeah. a lot of his off seasons look different. Where he's shuffling around, he's going to looking for a team, he's getting picked up here, moved there. You know, when you sign a contract and you know that you're getting going to be at your home base, a place where you want to be, a place where you want to um, play baseball at, like he he's probably going to be a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more familiar with with what's going on and, and, and how he is. And I think that helps your game. I mean, I think that helps your game to be sure. able to have that security and not have to worry about, Oh, where am I going this year or whatever? So, I, I mean, big up for him. I mean, I think he's, I think he's doing a job and I think he's, he's doing what he's supposed to. Um, I don't know if you remember this and maybe you do, but is he a Midland kid? Ooh, was mainly a Midland kid. I um, want to say he was. I, he might have been, but I he was either remember. he was either a Midland or a Flame. I can't remember. He might be a Midland kid. Yeah, for those who don't know, Midland's a select baseball team in the Cincinnati area who has like had everyone 
play for them who's yeah, gone Larkin on to play Jr. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, the, I mean, just to name a few. We also have uh, the Canadian reunion going on in our chat right now between Gaditza and Dan's here. Okay. They're like, oh, it's snowing in Canada, but we're going to go hang on a late night Reds with the guys. And uh, yes. we appreciate you. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so we should have Jack coming on here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk about the Cubs with him and kind of get his thoughts on their offseason, how they project. We're going to talk about that. But um, let's get to it, man. Um, mm-hmm. So I uh, was going to play the clip of uh, Ellie's home run. Uh, but after Will Benson's clip last week, uh, we got a big no-no from the wonderful people at YouTube. So <laughs> watch it on your phone, people. <laughs> Our bad YouTube. Yeah. Our bad. <laughs> Got an email Monday morning from Nate, and that's never a good thing. Yeah. Our bad. <laughs> but uh wanted to real quick kind of go through here and just talk about you know what he's done so far. Again, as we've talked about through all this, we under we are well aware, small sample size, mm-hmm. but a 1.283 OPS, uh, a home run that went 470 feet and sounded like 470 yeah. feet. Sound like he hit it five ten. I mean, he yeah. crushed it. Uh, five two two runs batted in, three walks, five hits. Does have five strikeouts, but three of those were in one game. So I'm going to give yeah, a pass were. there. And three runs scored. And so I don't know how much you've seen of him between the games that were on TV. That clip they showed yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I really noticed, and I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this as well. You can see where he's fixed some things in his swing right his mechanics he's much quicker to the ball um mm-hmm. and that could all change just for the season going on but um you just look more thorough it looked more direct mm-hmm. um i have been you know obviously we're not surprised by this because all of us feel like if he you know when it click if he clicks it together he's you know what the best player in the world if it yeah. all comes together as it should but also just to see just the impressiveness of all right, so things didn't go my way between July and September last year. Mm-hmm. I know I have to get better. And let's start immediately. Let's hang out with Juan Soto, who is one of the best hitters in the world, and see what he does, and I'll learn from him. But yeah, I mean, overall, like when you've what what you've seen, if anything, um, what have you kind of taken away from not only like he's his swing is more compact. Mm-hmm. His working counts, like I said, he had a walk on the on the right yeah. side of the bat the other yeah. day. Like, very, very impressed so far with just kind of seeing his maturation. Yeah, I think that's probably been the two biggest things um, is him watching him work a count. Um, he he's just he's becoming very selective about the pitches he swings at. Um, they had a um, something up on Twitter. He had a little tweak to his stance. Um, mm-hmm where he's sitting his hands and where he's getting to the ball. Um, you made it bring up a great point. He's not, he's not nearly as long to the ball as he was towards the end of last year. And when he came up, he's, he's more compact. Um, and I, and I think a lot of that too shows not only just his natural ability, but his wanting and his growth to get better. Yeah. Um, I, I think he wants to be the best player in the world. Um, I think that there's, you know, when he's goes in the offseason and gets advice from Juan Soto, you know, he's playing in, you know, playing in other leagues in the winter and doing all these other things. I I think he knows his potential. Um, and I think that 
and that I think that that all is going to stem from him wanting to be great. And I think that that's just his natural God-given abilities. Um, I, I think that what he does and what he's able to do is just so impressive. I mean, a guy that can run like that, a guy that can hit a ball that far, yeah. a guy that can play the field the way he does, he's always a threat on the bases. You start adding in being able to work pitch counts, draw walks, get on base, high OPS, high on base percentage. You start adding all those things together. And, I mean, he becomes a just top-tier threat on all levels. So to see him do that now, like we said, it's a small sample size. But you can see the work that he's put in in the offseason. And you can see the work that he's put in. Um, you know, shortening his swing, switching his stance, uh, working counts, things like that. I mean, you can see all the work he's put in. Um, and then that's not to say he's not going to have laws and he's not going to have slumps. It's baseball. Baseball right. is a humbling game. But to see him have the second half of the season that he had and know that he had the work that he had to do to put in this offseason is really cool to see in these this small sample size of spring training. Yeah, man, I think that that's kind of the thing is just everything that's coming together. And like you said, he's definitely going to have laws. I'm not going mm-hmm. in here talking like he's a complete product by any means. Uh, do I think he's going to be better? Yes. But I feel like year four, year five is when it's going to mm-hmm. be ultimate Ellie. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is just kind of putting the pieces together still and becoming the player he is. But man, just kind of seeing immediately how much quicker he got better is really impressive. Um, that home run. So the clips that are going around between the one the red showed, uh, the guy that the one that went uh, kind of viral with the guy who's behind the plate, mm-hmm. just like you said, like it sounded like a shotgun coming off yeah. the bat. Like it was. Um, yeah. Anytime you it get to crushed. see this around the base pass, you know it's a good moment. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I love it. And Joey kind of talked about. He said Willie B has been the most fun player so far. And yeah, yeah that's funny to say with LED the Cruz on team that it's true. Um, legging out extra base hits making plays, doing this thing. Um, I, you know. It's, it Honestly, it just reminds me of guys that are just hungry, dude. Right. I mean, they're just hungry to win games, and they're going to do whatever it takes. And and to see him, you know, to see those guys do that, man, it, it makes me excited because I think that those are the things, their mindset is completely different. You know, they went into last year, of course, just being new to the game, coming up, just trying to win. They've switched that mindset, and you can see it. I mean, wins and losses in spring training, are you don't look at really those a whole lot, but you can see the mindset of, of those guys going into it, like just doing the little things that they've been doing in spring training has been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a blast, dude, and I'm, I'm so excited to see it. I'm really curious to see how things look the next couple of weeks once mm-hmm. Maddie McLean's back in there and everything's going on. So once Jonathan India's back, which sounds like yeah. it should be pretty cool pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, man, it's going to be cool. But let's go ahead and get to our guest. Uh, as we said, we're going to do a little NL Central previews before we get to opening day. And so I wanted to bring on one of our family members who – just so happens to be from Chicago and root for the Cubs and uh, his parents have season tickets at Wrigley field. Uh, this is uh, if you're following us on riverfront, you, this is our Miami of Ohio beat writer, <laughs> our good friend, Jack Mueller. What's up, buddy. How are you, you doing guys? How's good. it going, Jack? Oh, good. He even comes in with the hat. Just like just rubbing it. In. 
I have hey, listen. <laughs> hey, listen, I ain't even mad at you for real. <laughs> it's a, it's a good, it's a good time if you're gonna rep it, you're gonna rep it. You know what I mean? I, it's I'm a good time you. to be a Cubs fan. I had to had to flaunt it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh all right, man. So let's get it real quick. I do want to kind of touch on a few things obviously. Go horse, thanks for hanging out again. Last time we had you on was the Christmas draft. Yeah. Um which mm-hmm. many thought was the most the best episode of Late Night Reds of all time. I think it was because you were here. I just, I'm not going to go and put it out there. Sources uh, are saying. Yeah, sources are saying. <laughs> but I want to kind of get to a few things before we get started here and talk about the Cubs. And I first want to get your thoughts on, um, obviously, the Reds stealing Jamer Candelario from the Cubs in the offseason and bringing him on. And just what kind of you saw from him the half season he was playing for Chicago. Obviously, we remember the tr- the, the, the series right after the trade deadline was against the Reds at Wrigley, and I think he hit like 990. Um, not a thousand percent mm-hmm. certain that's the case, but it felt like it at least. Um, what did you see last year that you feel the Reds are getting with this addition? Yeah, so, I mean, when the Cubs picked him up, the corners have always been, or still, kind of a question mark for us, and he brought stability that we hadn't seen there in a long time, at least since we traded away Rizzo and Bryant. So he's a stable guy. He's going to probably give you – he's not going to be an elite hitter. He's not a three- or four-hole guy, but he's 270 batting average, 20 home runs, 80 RBIs. He's um, he's consistent, and you know what you get with him. His glove isn't great. He's not going to be a gold glover, but he's consistent. He'll play 150 games and give you pretty good results every time he steps out on the field. Do you feel like a GABP – for 81 games, that could be more like 30 home runs? It's certainly possible. Wrigley's a hitter ballpark as well, and we definitely saw a power boost after we he left uh, Detroit. Because, I mean, Detroit, obviously, one of the tougher places to yeah. hit home runs. Um, and we definitely saw a power boost in the second half. Um, maybe 30. I'm still going to guess and predict probably the 20 to 25 range with like a 260 batting average. That's about what he's done his entire career. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a possibility for a power boost. Yeah, for sure. So when you kind of, before we get to the Cubs again, I want to touch on, so when you look at this Reds team as someone who is very involved in baseball, um, I know you and I have shared texts quite a bit about some of the, some of the prospects who are on the up and up that you got to see through the Cape league and things like that. Uh, when you look at the current big league team and you see how young they are, how exciting they are, how good they are. Um, what is kind of your expectation for uh, the Reds team as uh, as an enemy uh, necessarily? Yeah, the Reds scare me. Um, there's a lot of talent on that roster. It's probably the best Reds team I've seen since the last time that you guys were in the playoffs. It's it's scary up and down the lineup. You've got guys like Matt McClain, Spencer Steer. I mean, obviously, Ellie De La Cruz. Noel V. Marte is coming up, and he looks like he's going to be a stud. And even the depth pieces, like I'm, I'm still really high on Will Benson. I thought that was a great ad. Yeah. Um, Stuart Fairchild's reliable. Jake Fraley was reliable. Like that's a deep team that will be consistent for 162 games. Uh, the one question mark I think is still in the pitching staff a little bit. I like Montas. I like Martinez. I don't think they're guys that are going to get you over the top. I don't think that's a huge improvement that was really should have been addressed a little bit more aggressively, in my opinion. Agreed. But. Mm-hmm. I look at the Reds organization as a whole right now, and there's a contender here, and you didn't really sacrifice a whole lot of prospect capital to build it. So I think it's really exciting. There's definitely a scenario where the Reds are sitting four or five games back at at the All-Star break and can move a couple of these guys for a top-of-the-line rental or a middle-of-the-order power bat and push push for the playoffs. 
oh jack you're new here you're not allowed to say the reds twitter trading <laughs> prospects you you piss everybody off immediately uh, gosh here comes a, the hate here comes the hate man what a cubs Jeez. fan sheesh <laughs> Hey, we tra- we're used to trading prospects. Nothing new. For us. <laughs> All right, well, let's check this out. So I brought up uh, that with fan graphs kind of breaks the Cubs down too. Uh, and uh, wow, that is terrible graphics by Tim. What else is new? Um, <laughs> so you kind of mentioned the corners as a little different uh, between well, they here. They have Nick Madrigal and Mike Bush going in. Uh, Cody Bellinger obviously signs back. You know Ian Happ, who I think like hits like seven eighty in his career against the Reds. <laughs> Um, former UC Bearcat. Saya Suzuki, obviously, was a big addition. And then you've got Pete Crow Armstrong, who his mom was the mom of Little Big League. So that's pretty cool. Oh, actually didn't know that. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to get to the kind of everything here. So when you look at the Cubs at the moment, obviously, I think everyone knew Cody Bellinger was coming back. Uh, what kind of is the thing that stands out to you that has you, I wouldn't say optimistic, because when we talk, like, I you know you're pretty excited about the team. Um, what they could be this year. I think these two teams we discussed are probably the two best teams in the Central. Um, I just don't feel like the Cardinals are as good as a lot of people are putting them out to be at this moment. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like these two teams have what it takes to go to the playoffs and and represent the NL Central. So what about the Cubs really jumps out to you as a fan that you're excited about? Yeah, so obviously the signing of Bellinger's huge. Like He's our three-hitter next year. He was our MVP candidate last year. He was our star, and we needed him back. This team was not going to be anywhere close to competing without that three hitter, whoever that would have been. I know we were linked to Shohei earlier in the year, but we needed someone to bring stability to that spot in the lineup. And Cody Bellinger does exactly that. I'm kind of predicting a regression a little bit. I don't think his 330 pace was sustainable, but I definitely see him being a guy that can play 155 games there and give us 35 homer power, which is something that Cubs have been sorely missing ever since that, that faded trade deadline where we traded away our entire team. Um, the one question mark remains is that the corners, Michael Bush is a good like buy low ad. And we also got Yancy Almonte. He'll slot really nicely into the bullpen. Those are great ads. I don't think it was enough. I think Michael Bush has a lot of bust potential there. He's a 26 year old rookie. So I don't love that. Nick Madrigal, you know what you get with him. He's contact slap hitter, gets on base, not a great runner. I really question his arm at third. So I would have liked to see a move made there. If I was the Cubs GM in some dream world, I would have Cody plan first and start the season with Pete Crow and just let him let him figure let him figure it out. Let him let him see the struggles, let him go through it, and hopefully he sticks. But obviously I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Cody starts the year in center. So we'll rock with Michael Bush and Nick Madrigal, which doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence, but <laughs> I think the lineup makes up for it. So Yeah. Um yeah, and the pitching looks okay. I Shota's a big ad. We needed stability. We needed a guy who could eat innings. Uh, we saw what happened last year when we lost guys to injury. When Stroman went down, we really struggled to get the spot starts to pick him up. We had some guys like Caleb Killian come up and was nasty, who were okay, but not top-of-the-line guys. Shota brings a stability to that middle of the rotation that we really desperately needed, and I think he's probably going to be the best addition for us going into the season. How excited do you feel like Kyle Hendricks is that Joey Votto is not in a Reds uniform at the moment? I think he's over the moon. I watched his spring training start. Um, what day was that? I think it was a couple days ago. I don't remember exactly when. Was it against the Reds? I think it was. It might have been. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, he looked pretty good. I mean, for a 34-year-old, he's still he's still chugging along and still getting the change up down, still 
topping out at maybe 87 miles an hour, but it's, it keeps working for him. So, yeah, but it, he's got to be thrilled that Joey's not there because that was those were some tough at-bats. <laughs> um, we did get a question in the chat from our friend Sydney, and she wants to know, um, why is Streamer being slow today? There we go. Any idea why Mash Mervis is getting more of a big league shot? Uh, I mean, I... I don't have a good answer. I wish he got more of a. I wish he had more of a longer lead in his last cup of coffee in the big leagues. He's looked pretty good in spring training. I saw a list on Twitter where I'm pretty sure he's in the top ten for OPS during spring ball so far, and he's been hitting the ball hard. Um, I think the big question mark with him is that he's going to be a three true outcome guy, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a homer, walker, strikeout guy, and the Cubs lineup can't really afford that right now. Um. I still think he'll pan out. I still think he's probably a, a great option at first base should Bush or Madrigal work out. I still think Michael Bush will end up playing third for us this year, and either Cody or Mervis will end up in that first base role. But, yeah, he I mean, the stats speak for themselves. His first cup of coffee in the bigs was not not a pretty sight. So I think the Cubs are just trying to be patient with him. I don't think his time in the majors is done. Yeah, I hear you. Ben, you got any Cub questions you want to get to our, our good friend here? Well, I mean, my my biggest question, I think you kind of hit on, um, is their their starting pitching. Um, I know that that was kind of a um, something that they were looking for in the off season, um, and I know that you talked about uh, Iwo Jima in the in the uh, on the back half of that rotation. Uh, but what are, what do you think of the top your top three guys, which I believe would be Hendricks, Talion, and what was the other one? Um, It'd be Justin Steele. Was and Steele, there we go. Yeah, he's good. So, what do you what do you think about the top three of your rotation? I think I think in, in, I think Imanaga gets in above Hendricks. I think Hendricks starts the season as our fourth guy. Um, but yeah, the top three that you mentioned, it, they're good, they're serviceable, and you know what you get with them. I mean, Steele was in the Cy Young talk last year, so yeah, he's he's great. I think it worries me that he's a two pitch guy. He's pretty much exclusively fastball slider, which can get you into trouble sometimes but he's got an outlier that. fastball that's basically a cutter. So I think it makes it a little tougher for hitters to read. Uh, my issue with those guys is that we know what the ceiling is. We know that they're going to be average big league starters. And hypothetically, in the scenario where the Cubs do end up in a five-game or three-game playoff series, they don't really match up with the, the Spencer Striders or, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking now, but – like those top tier aces mm-hmm. that these other teams in the playoffs have. And I think the Cubs are desperately lacking that. I think the back, I think the back half, it will be our strength in the regular season. I think we're going to get a lot of wins out of our fourth and fifth guys, but yeah, I'm a little worried about the top of our rotation. I think it's good. And I think it'll be enough to put it, keep us in contention, but mm-hmm. come October, there's, there's definitely gonna be question marks. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the biggest thing, Thing that happened kind of in the off season was the uh Ross for council. What what I mean that kind of went kind of that was kind of the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen as far as like a manager being hired. We already have a manager, our manager announced gone. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, how did what do you think that Craig Council will do different? than Ross like how do you think he'll 
Like, how do you think the culture of that of that locker room changes with switching managers? I I mean, I never heard anything bad about David Ross, but is is was it a cultural thing? Was it a we're not meeting expectations thing? What, what I mean, what was it? It, it? it boiled down to a couple things. One, David Ross was a great manager when we were going through the transition years. He was a great man manager. He knew how to get the best of his guys. And he was great in that building a locker room culture of like building players up and setting them up for success in times where realistically we were going to lose a hundred games or close to it. So he was great during that period, but we saw a lot last season where he just did not know how to manage the back end of games. He would rely on his starters to get him into a position to win. And then he would just granted our bullpen last year wasn't fantastic, but just some of the decisions he was making like baffled me and a lot of fans as well. And there were numerous, numerous occasions where Cubs Twitter was just blowing up on David Ross because of some of his in-game decisions. So I think a lot of it boiled down to that and the fact that Craig Council has experience as a game manager and has been able to pull out wins with a Milwaukee Brewers team that doesn't always have the best roster and is able to still find a way to get 85, 90 wins out of that team. Um, And we knew going in as soon as Craig Council signed that he wanted to legit bullpen like the one he had in Milwaukee with Josh Hader and Devin Williams and last year Abner Uribe kind of stepping into that role as well and then we got him two new relievers like Hector Neris has had like a 1.7 ERA the last two seasons he's a great ad he's our eighth he's gonna be our eighth inning guy next year Yancy Almonte again buy low ad from the Dodgers we don't really know what we have with him but he slots in right away we got Jose Quas last year who in my opinion is one of the most underrated relievers in the game and is one of the best sliders I think in Major League Baseball and then you've got Adbert Alzala, who's probably going to enter the season as our closer, competing with Neris for those opportunities. And even though he didn't really – he was not, like, all-star level, he was serviceable. He had, like, a three ERA and, like, 40 saves. He became our guy last year. So I think we're setting Council up for success, and we've kind of given him this faith that this is your roster now. You have full control, but you need to show why we're, we're making you the highest-paid manager in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about Shota. Let's do it because this is the hype train. This is the this is the move of moves for the Cubs. Um, I'm a thousand certain he didn't really know the words to "Go Cubs Go" when he was just sucking up the Cubs fans to get them to like him uh, in his press <laughs> conference. But you know it worked, so credit. Um, you mentioned it. Obviously, a guy who is there to eat up Bennings. We, you know, was up there amongst the elite uh, international pitchers that were available, and Obviously, we've seen the Cubs have success with bringing international signings in in the past. Um, what was kind of like, where are you kind of, I know you're excited, but what is kind of your thought process on what Shota brings? Like you said, besides the fact of an inning eater, I know it's always going to bring a lot of excitement to Wrigley Field. Right. So bringing back, like going back in time to like the offseason, when the offseason was starting, we, the Cubs were deeply involved in the Shohei negotiations. Um, and it kind of sounded like we were in on the Yamamoto deal as well. So losing out on both of those guys hurt. But at, at the end, you look at the deal that the Cubs made for Imanaga, and it's very team-friendly for a guy that may be an all-star level pitcher. Yeah. Again, again, we don't know what we have with him yet. It's still you know early March. But he, in his first start in spring training, he struck out five and two in a third innings. His fastball looks nasty. His slider looks really good. And that curveball is a true 12-6 with – decent speed and break for a guy that a lot of the big leagues have never seen before. So you have that new factor of guys not being able to figure him out because they've never seen it before. 
So I'm re- I'm really excited. I think he's I think he was one of the best value free agent signings of the offseason. His contract isn't going to kill the Cubs and it's he may be and he may end the season as a race. That's great, Jack. We're really happy for you. <laughs> really really happy for you. Uh, yeah, I think I mean it was obviously a great gift for them. Um like I kind of said, like I think we've kind of had the general consensus here. As far as the rest of the division, I just feel like these are the two teams that have the best chance to go on a run. Um, don't be wrong. I certainly think St. Louis is better than they were last year. And obviously getting Sonny Gray was great for them. But I don't look at the Cardinals after him, after Sonny Gray in that, in that rotation and go, oh, man, uh, we're going to be really, really stuck this week when we have Sonny Gray and Miles Michaelis in back-to-back days. I, I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, oh, God, Kyle Gibson's pitching the getaway day. We're in trouble. (laughs) Like, I feel like, you know, don't be wrong. Obviously, anything that is Goldschmidt and Arenado, um, you got to be concerned with Wilson Contreras. You got to be concerned with. But I feel like when you look at these two teams, particularly uh, being the Reds and the Cubs, I just I feel like these are the two teams that, like I said, I'm just kind of repeating myself at this point. Mm -hmm. These are the two teams that have the best shot to win the NL Central maybe get a playoff victory around in the playoffs this year. Um, maybe they're both in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, it's very much a possibility of how good both teams lineup-wise are. So do you agree with me? Do you think maybe I should like give a little bit more credit to the Cardinals? Where are you at with this? So I don't think the Cardinals are going to be the one to compete. This is my crazy hot take of the offseason. Crazy Ooh, hot take. I like it. I'm, I like it. I am all on board the Pirates train right now. I think the Pirates have put together a sneaky good roster. I mean, they've got the pieces. O'Neill Cruz is a legit big league shortstop with 30 homer potential and plus good, speed. Yeah. Brian Reynolds, consistent. Like, model model of consistency, 330 home runs. Brian Hayes, I feel like we've been saying he's going to break out for four years now. Um, <laughs> but you never know. Like he, maybe maybe this is the year that he finally figures it out. I'm Jack Sawinski, I think, is a sleeper stud. He hits probably – 880 at Wrigley Field. I feel like every time I've seen the Pirates play there, he hits a home run against us. Henry Davis, former number one overall pick. Like you go to up and down that lineup, and there are pieces that haven't broken out that that maybe maybe this is the year that they put it all together. And it's a year like the Reds had last year, where no one really thought this young team could put it all together. But you know, maybe they figure something out, and you know, maybe they don't win the division, but they at least make those series a lot tougher than people are expecting them to be. Well. That's my least favorite baseball team in the universe, Jack. But I do appreciate your expertise insight, especially because they signed one of my all-time favorite Reds this offseason. Uh, that really hurt my feelings. Uh, well, former Chicago Cubs World Series champion, Rolf Chapman. Um, but I see it. I mean, I just really see what you're saying. It sounds like Henry Davis they actually did plan to catch this year. Probably a good idea because right field did not look very comfortable for him last year. No, it did not. And the other thing I do think about the Pirates is that they're one of those teams. I think every team or us, the Reds and the Pirates have all built a really strong farm system of guys that maybe aren't going to be perennial all-stars, but are going to be serviceable MLB players that can be used as trade pieces. If we get to June and it starts to look like, Oh wait, maybe we have something here. So can I, can I I allow you to share your other hot take? You text me the other day. Ooh, what did I text you the other day? I don't remember. Ooh, your Rhett Louder Paul Skeens comparison. It was pretty oh, it was pretty yeah. spicy. Yes. I liked it. Yes, I do remember that. I did say that Rhett Louder will be better than Paul Skeens. I do yes. swear by that. 
I yes. do stand by that take. Um, <laughs> obviously, Paul Skeens has the build of what you want to be in your MLB ace. Throws 103, great slider, mm-hmm. physically imposing. But Rhett Loader just knows how to pitch, man. Like, you watch them duel in the College World Series, and Loader mm-hmm. didn't just hold his own. At times, he looked better. So I really like Loader. I think he was the best pick in the draft last year. Maybe tied with Cubs getting Matt Shaw. I'm also really high on Matt Shaw. Um, but yeah, Rhett Loader is going to be a problem, and I'm so scared of the fact that we have to face him a million times a year as soon as he gets to the bigs. Yeah, he pitched two innings today. So yeah, um, he looks really good. Uh, he's got um, really great, really great fastball. Really good feel for his pitches. Showed it at Wake Forest. Haven't seen him a whole lot since he got drafted. Obviously, he didn't pitch a whole lot, but he didn't pitch at all last year. Actually, he was at yeah. his innings limit. So, so um, well, we talked I, about this. He's supposed to start the year in Double A. That does not surprise me at all. That's the trend with pitchers now. Like they're getting fast tracked. Okay, you, you see it with AJ Smith Shaver in Atlanta. He started the year in High A, ended the year in the Bigs. Um, there's talk that Cade Horton will start the year in Triple A and be up in the big leagues by June. Um, there's there's talk that I mean Andrew Painter. We, obviously, we didn't see him last year because of his injury, but there's why not start him in Double A and see what happens. If he looks really good, why not give him a couple spot starts and see if you have something there. That's, I mean, that's what teams have been doing with their top pitching prospects now is why not, why waste time in the minors, especially with the new prospect um, incentive in the draft. There's no reason to keep them down there if they're proven that they're ready. So I think this is the new wave that teams are going to hop on. I I don't see a reason why Loader doesn't pitch this year in the bigs. He's got the talent for it. And if he sticks, if he has positive results in the minors, there's no reason to keep him down there. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense too, because of uh, just the, the idea of arms and innings and things like that. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, the gone are the days of the 20, the 40 game, 220. 40 inning game, starter. 20, yeah. Yep. So you're going to need probably eight guys ready to step in and pitch at an MLB level every yep. season and if one of those guys i don't care if one of those guys is 22 years old one year out of the draft if you're good enough to get a me a win at the mlb level i don't want you in the minor leagues i want you in my rotation mm-hmm. i like that it. makes sense all right i'm gonna ask you a couple more cup questions sure and then i had to bring you on because we got to talk about chicago food oh okay yeah that's just <laughs> okay. it's part for the course <laughs> all right so FanDuel currently it's the chicago cubs over under at 83 and a half wins. Do you feel they go over or under? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say over now because I think our roster has the talent to go over that total. Um, but I also see a lot of situations where one or two pieces just don't click like they did last year and we lose wins because of it. Um, there's also the injury risk. But as things stand right now on March 3rd at 9.51 p.m., I'm hammering the over on that. I think that this is, has the potential to be a 90-win ball club. Ooh, okay. I feel the same way about the Reds. So um, I actually think they'll have the over, too. I do think that this division between these two teams is going to be like a four, a three or four-game difference. Yeah. Um, I think but one of these, the team that doesn't win, I think is going to be in the wild card. I really do believe that these two teams have everything it takes to do so to do really well. All right. Um, right. Let's see another fun one here. Uh, Cody Bellinger, over under 25 home runs. You said regression's a possibility. I'm oh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna go under just because I don't think his power st- surge last year was sustainable. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna be far under it by any means, but I think he'll be in the low twenties. Um, but 
his power surge last year was great, but we saw what happened the two years before where he looked like a shell of himself. So I'm cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic that he does go over and he does put up another 35, 320 batting average stretch. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the under of that. I just, there's a lot, there's a lot more faith in that. He doesn't quite live up to the standard he set last year. Hmm. I'll take it. All right. So uh, what to make sure we get this in before we get out of here. Cause like we said, Jack is a Chicagoan. He is currently at the Miami of Ohio. He's our beat writer there for covering the Red Hawks, which, who beat the University of Cincinnati in football this year at Nippert Stadium, I might want to add. Sure, they um, did. No big deal or anything. That didn't – shout out Chuck Martin. That's my guy. Um, but I had to ask you about some Chicago food because we've all been to Chicago. We've all eaten our body weight and different, different things here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have to start here immediately with the fact that uh, true or false, Chicago beer pizza is significantly better than New York pizza. Oh, true. Anyone yeah. who says otherwise is a liar. Yeah. And I will. I, your, your opinions are bad. Yeah. Chicago <laughs> pizza is 10 times better than New York pizza. I will die on that hill. There's no question. There's no debate. Yeah. See, I agree because, like, so anytime you see, like, the Mets come to town, and then they, they like the the Reds. It's like, oh man, you know, like Skyline Chili. It's something. It's like your 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 unique food is that your slices are bigger than everybody's. Like, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I went to Sabaro and had the same thing. Yeah. No. The there's um there's a couple of good pizza places around Wrigley. Whenever one of the New York teams come to town, there's definitely a lot of talk about. Oh, this isn't a real pizza. Come to New York and have a real pizza. No, shut up. You're wrong. Yeah. I this like is, it. This is this is the good stuff. This is my dog. This is why this is why we hired you, Jack. <laughs> this takes right here. Um, all right. What is your like Chicago pizza place? Because we've talked before. Um, you know, there's the Giordano's, there's the Gino's that everyone seems to like, and they're fine, but they're commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Pequod's guy. That's that's sure. kind of my spot. Yeah. My family, Pequod's my family lives pretty close to Pequod's, so I'd go there quite a bit. Like, who's your under the radar Chicago pizza spot we need to visit? Like, you know, when I'm crying that the Bulls got eliminated, I need something to make me feel better. Oh. Um, well, you hit, you got mine kind of right off the nose, Pequot's. It's the famous one. It's the best one, best deep dish in the country. Um, I, I also really like their tavern style. That's usually my cup of tea. Um, like the square cut tavern style slice mm. is always my go-to. There's a place up by me called Pete's Pizza that is very, very good. Um, very, I always get their tavern style when I get home. I always, it's like the first place I want to go. I tell my parents, First thing we're doing tonight, we're ordering pizza. It's the last, like, it's the only thing I want. We don't have great pizza up here in Oxford, so whenever I go home, that's definitely like number one on the priority list. Yeah, I think they cater La Rosa's that game, so they still do that. They still do. Yeah, La Rosa's is it's good, but it's not Chicago. It's I understand. Not not, not offended. Not yeah. offended whatsoever. Um, I know you know Ben and I have had uh, conversation. We haven't gone to Chicago together. But no. we've definitely shared our Chicago food experiences. Um, oh, absolutely. Chicago style hot dog, 10 times out of 10. I've had like seven different places. Um, I lean towards Portillo's. Am I wrong there? Is there something better? Portillo's is great, but again, it's a chain. Mm-hmm. Um, the best is if you see like the yellow Vienna beef hot dog sign. Oh, okay. In front of like a really like divey, dingy looking place. That's when right you know on. it's going to be good. That's when you know you're going to walk in, you're going to get a phenomenal hot dog. So there's a couple places over by me. Um, Wrigleyville, I think it's called like the Wrigleyville spot or something. It's a I've been there. Wrigley. It's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, Badaki's is a little further north over on Damon. Badaki's is probably one of the biggest hidden gems in the city. Best like grilled food you'll ever have. 
I've been to Billy Goat there on the pier. That was pretty yep. solid. Billy Goat's really yeah. good too. Billy Goat was good. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Ooh, what are your thoughts on the Cubby Bear? Is it actually something places should actually go to, or is it super overrated? Um, I think you got to go there once. Everyone yeah. has their own opinions about it. Everyone's very opinionated about the Cubby Bear. Um, for me personally, I'm a, I'm I'm a Bernie's guy, right across at Clark, at Clark and Waveland. Been going there with my family ever since we started going to Cubs games. My grandpa went there. Now my parents go there and now we go there. So Bernie's is the only spot I go in Wrigley. If, I mean, obviously like if I'm on a night out with friends, sluggers is always there. The batting cages are always a good time, but yeah, Bernie's is my number one. The cubby. I've actually haven't been inside the cubby bear probably since like April of last season. So maybe, maybe it's changed, but it's just not for me. I'll tell you guys a cool story. Um, so my first time I went to Wrigley was like September 2011. I may have told us in the show. It was like September 2011. Both teams were like way out of it. Like it was. So to put in context, I got tickets behind home plate at Wrigley Field for $4 off of StubHub. That's like <laughs> what we're talking about here. Right? Like yep. this was like the 100 lost season Cubs. This is like the red scene that was this close to put it. They just couldn't put it together to win the central kind of thing but it was september like and barney days yeah 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 exactly like right before rizzo like became yeah. rizzo kind of thing um and so i like go sit in the first baseline and there's these reds fans there i'm like all right cool there's some of us there that's great and like they start trying to start fights with cubs fans and i'm like hey no i'm out, I'm out. <laughs> yeah so these cubs fans come and talk to us and they're like and i'm like hey like we don't know them like we're just like we don't, don't, if you guys get in a fight, don't bring us into it. And they're like, oh, we, yeah, we thought you guys were going to help us more than you're going to help them. I was like, yeah, exactly, exactly. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so no fights ended up happening, thankfully. But they took us out on the town and oh, like took us to a few yeah. different places, Wrigleyville. We're like, hey, if you know, if you want to check this out, check this out, check this out. These places are cool. These places are way too commercial. Like, don't do like, and it made me realize the Cubs fans in Chicago are phenomenal. I love going up there for games, but why is it their jerk faces McGee's when they come here? Ah, uh, that's a great question. I actually, I, I can't, I can't defend uh, <laughs> Cubs fans' actions away from home. But, uh, I will say we are very, we're a very hospitable home ballpark. But yeah, our act, we we too, we too tend to get a bit obnoxious when we go out on the road. I, yeah. I, I, I've been guilty of that, so I, I'll, I'll hold my hands. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely can attest to the, uh, the whole fights thing. Uh, I used to work as an usher at Wrigley during high school, so I saw my I saw my fair share of of incidents during my brief time as a guest service associate. I haven't been back to Wrigley since the renovations. I don't know if I'll still love it with like not having giant nets catching concrete falling off the back end. <laughs> That was just like, you know, such so charming that it was so like in bad shape. So I don't know if I like this new nice halves bullpen Wrigley Field. I don't know if it's I, I will I will say it. Like, yes, the renovations did take away some of the old ballpark charm, but they did a really good job of maintaining the feel that you get when you go to Wrigley. They did a mm-hmm. really great job of keeping that like the exposed brick and, you know, mm-hmm. that like kind of dark vibe you get in the concourse. It's all still like like that. It's just a little bit nicer and there's a lot more space. So for the fans, for the fan experiences, especially for like tourists coming in, it's a lot nicer for them. Like for me, like I don't really care. I go in the gate and go sit in my seat. Like right. I don't need to do all the fan experience stuff. But it, it has been. It's definitely an improvement. It was definitely needed. Like yes, it does take away some of the charm, but it's it's still a really fun place to go watch a game. Yeah, I agree. I'll I'll get back at some point. I really want to take my daughter when she's older. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I know that that's like kind of her thing. So I just took her to her first basketball game. I talked about this on one of the other shows. Took her to see UConn women's play, and she wow. like paid attention the whole time. So I was like, I got a shot. <laughs> I got a shot. She's like 13 months. So uh, <laughs> perfect. Well, Jack, you've been an excellent addition to the riverfront. We're all definitely appreciative of everything you've done for us covering Miami, uh, making sure I don't have to drive to Oxford every week. I'm very appreciative of that. Um, but Ben might have to drive to Oxford every week soon. Maybe. Let me know if you're up here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here though, for anyone who has to shout out whether they want to talk Reds Cubs with you or see some of your writing, like, I don't know when Miami of Ohio beats UC in football, uh, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter. My ads in the description here. Um, all my work's also posted on the Riverfront U accounts. Um, but yeah, I'm very active on Twitter. Feel free to reach out with any questions, see my work. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the main place I'll be. Perfect. Well, hey, guys, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Late Night Reds, as always, here on the Riverfront. So thank you all again, as always, for tuning in and hanging out. All your comments it's definitely appreciated. Um, like we said, next week, it'll be Nate filling in for me with Ben. Um, I'm sure Chad was probably asked to do it, but it was Oscars night and Chad doesn't talk to anybody on Oscars night. So <laughs> he's like not going to do it. Um, but thank you all again. Like I said, if it's your first time checking us out, come hang with us during the season. We're going to have a lot of fun conversation going on. So on behalf of Ben, this is Tim Daniel. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you all soon. See you guys. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.